Hello, and welcome to Transformation by Truth podcast, where the call become the chosen and those who have been dedicated to serve the Most High receive the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth as we progress our quest for holiness, perfection, and everlasting life. My name is D.L. Anderson. I'll be your tour guide. Let's get started with today's lesson. Hello, my friends. D.L. Anderson here. Welcome back to our Transformation by Truth podcast and day five of week two of the quest for holiness, perfection, and everlasting life 2022. Now, I'm happy for everyone who has joined us for this podcast. Today is a good day. See, we're not only concluding this amazingly wonderful series dedicated to analyzing your greatest help in this quest, we will also introduce the next series. So be sure to take good notes and stay tuned until the very end so you know where we're off to next come Monday. Let's get started. So here's a series of objectives. To complete a full examination of the set-apart spirit of Elohim by analyzing seven of his primary functions in our lives. These functions are helper, life source, guide, translator, revelator, connection, and regulator. Now, without further ado, I'll introduce our feature lesson, a word of truth accounting of the set-apart spirit of Elohim, day five. Now, today's title is The Holy Spirit, My Connection, and My Regulator. The one steadfast of mind, you guard in perfect peace, for he trusts in you. Isaiah 26, 3. Now, here are the closing lesson objectives. One, review the outpouring of the Spirit. Two, analyze the spiritual life of those who are chosen. Three, analyze the Spirit's role as our connection. And four, analyze the Spirit's role as our regulator. Let's begin by discussing the outpouring of the Spirit. Now, before analyzing the final two roles of the Spirit in this series, I want to examine the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit and touch on the significance of this event. Now, Acts 2, 1 through 2 reads, And when the day of the festival of weeks had come, they were all with one mind in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from the heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and settled on each of them. And they were all filled with the set-apart spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them to speak. Now Acts 2, 14, 17 to 18 reads, But Kepha, who was Peter, standing up the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall be, in the last days, says Elohim, that I shall pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, 
and your old men shall dream dreams. And also on my male servants and on my female servants, I shall pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Now, Joel 2.28 reads, and after this, it shall be that I pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men dream dreams. Your young men see visions. And also on the male servants and on the female servants, I shall pour out my spirit in those days. And I shall give signs in the heavens and upon the earth before the coming of the great and awesome day of Yahuwah. And it shall be that every chosen one who calls on the name of Yahuwah shall be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be an escape, as Yahuwah has said, and among the survivors whom Yahuwah calls. Now, there are three points I want to make about these key passages of scripture, and I will build the rest of this final lesson on them. Let's now discuss the only way of life, the only way to live. Now, the first point I want to examine from our scripture passage is, there is no true life outside of the Holy Spirit. There is only a temporary unfulfilling existence which concludes with endless death now we know this because everyone who died prior to the outpouring of the spirit and during the dispensation of the law died separated from elohim it didn't matter how righteous or unrighteous they were in times past all men and women fell into the same state of spiritual death after the conclusion of the natural lives. This obviously was a dilemma, for it was never the Father's will for righteous men and women to die separated from him. And this is one of the many issues Yahushua Messiah resolved. Through his fulfillment of the law, he has instituted a new order in which we do not have to die separated from Elohim. In fact, we do not have to experience death at all. On the contrary, those who have been made alive by the Spirit will never experience death. Rather, we will transition from a temporary state to an eternal state, and the period in between should be viewed as sleep. See 1 Corinthians 15, 6, 8, and 51, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 15, in 2 Peter 3, 4. Now, here again, this truth represents a critical transition between the law and the age of the Spirit. Under the law, righteous men died separated from Elohim. Yet, by the Spirit, we do not die at all, for the Spirit is an eternal being. Therefore, those who live after the Spirit are also eternal beings. And eternal beings do not die. They transition from state to state. Now, 2 Corinthians 3, 5 through 6 reads, Not that we are competent in ourselves to reckon any matter as from ourselves, but our competence is from Elohim, who also made us competent as servants of a renewed covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit 
gives life. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 reads, Do not be led astray. Elohim is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Because he who sows to his own flesh shall reap corruption from the flesh. But he who sows the spirit shall reap everlasting life from the spirit. Now, these verses confirm that the link between the law and death. When Saul wrote the letter kills, he was saying the law inflicts mortal death, which implies there is no scenario where the law can give a spiritual life or everlasting life. Let's now discuss, he shall give life. Now, this brings me to my second point. That is, the spiritual and eternal life we have is a result of the matchless work of Yahushua Messiah. This is why he's our example, and we are made alive by following his steps. 1 Corinthians 15.45 reads, And so it has been written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam, Yahushua Messiah, a life-giving spirit. Romans 8, 9 reads, But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of Elohim dwells in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Messiah, this one is not his. And if Messiah is in you, the body is truly dead on account of sin, but the spirit is life on account of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Yahushua from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Messiah from the dead shall also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit dwelling in you. 1 Peter 3, 17-18 reads, For it is better, if it is the desire of Elohim, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Because even Messiah wants to suffer for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to Elohim, having been put to death indeed in flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Now, truly, there are tens of revelations in these passages, and I trust we'll be able to dive into some of them during one of our virtual Q&A sessions. But for now, I will simply condense this analysis into three primary points. One, Yahushua Messiah is a life-giving spirit, and he gives eternal life to all those following his example. Two, our life in the spirit supersedes our life in the flesh. This allows us to experience a progressive eternal nature during this life. And three, everyone who has this promise has been chosen to receive this promise, and Elohim hears us when we call. Let's now discuss every chosen one who calls. Now, this brings me to my third and final point from our scripture passage. That is, Elohim only hears the call of the chosen, for only the chosen are being transformed into the image and likeness of Yahushua Messiah, his only brought forth son. Now, I've been led to make this point very clear, for many Bibles have been watered down 
via the unavoidable inaccuracy of translations. As a result, there are many generalizations of scripture which have led many in the church circuit to believe certain promises apply to them when the truth is they don't apply to them at all. This is one reason why so many are on the wrong path and don't even know it. I really want to call out the King James Version of Joel 2.32, which reads, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Now, at first glance, someone might read this verse and assume they can be saved by simply calling on the name of Yahuwah Elohim, because that's kind of how it reads. However, the spiritual among us understand this, the reciprocal nature of all life and how the greatest rewards are only obtained by the greatest investments. On the other hand, those who are not spiritual are ready and willing to take a scripture at face value if it appears they can obtain the greatest rewards by not investing much at all. Now, there is a spirit of complacency and slothfulness destroying the conglomerate church from top to bottom. And it's clear to see in many popular Christian doctrines, many of which lead men and women to embrace interpretations of scripture that portray the way into everlasting life as easy as possible. On the other hand, when confronted with scriptures that clearly reveal the opposite, they often suggest these scriptures don't apply to us today, or they wrestle with them via willful misinterpretation to fit their carnal paradigm and justify their dishonesty. Fortunately for you who are listening to our podcast, you will never experience that here. For I and many others who are like me don't take the translations of the text at face value. Rather, I spend many hours analyzing the original text to confirm the translations that we have received. In doing so, I discovered the truth concerning Joel 2.32. By the Spirit, I was led to see how the phrase should read, every chosen one who calls on the name of Yahuwah shall be delivered. Furthermore, this particular phrase implies every chosen one has been named by Yahuwah Elohim. This name is a reflection of our spiritual allegiance to our master and our creator and confirmation we were chosen before the beginning to have everlasting life. Revelation 2.17 reads, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the assemblies. To him who overcomes, I shall give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I shall give him a white stone, and on the stone a renewed name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. These things being what they are, it is clear salvation is not as simple as calling upon the name of the Lord or confessing that Yahushua Messiah is the master or any other watered-down man-made process. And all who adhere to these false doctrines are far outside the realm of salvation. Let's now discuss the Holy Spirit, my connection.
Now, this matter lends itself to the spirit's role as our connection. Explicitly, he connects us to the kingdom of heaven, the realm of salvation. And this connection opened the door for us to experience all the benefits associated with serving the master. Now, I liken this model to fulfilling the requirements on obtaining an inheritance. By receiving the spirit, we become sons of Elohim and brethren of Yahushua Messiah. And by establishing this connection, we initiate our conditional access to the kingdom of heaven. And if we do succeed our quest for holiness, this conditional access will transition into an eternal admission. Revelation 3.12 reads, He who overcomes, I shall make him a supporting post in the dwelling place of my Elohim, and he shall by no means go out, and I shall write on him the name of my Elohim and the name of the city of my Elohim, the renewed Jerusalem, which comes down out of the heaven from my Elohim, and my renewed name. Romans 8.15 reads, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of Elohim, and if children also heirs, truly heirs of Elohim and co-heirs with Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him in order that we also be exalted together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the esteem that is revealed within us. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the esteem that is to be revealed in us. Now, a key matter evolves from this dual reality. That is, we are presently members of two diverse worlds, the kingdom of heaven and what I refer to as the physical sphere, vis-a-vis -a, -vis a dimension of pure physics, void of spiritual enlightenment and inundation. Therefore, we will need some manner of regulation to ensure our progressive realization of two diverse, often conflicting realities else the burden of dual management will overcome us. Enter the Holy Spirit, my regulator. Let's now discuss the Holy Spirit, my regulator. Now, the function of spiritual regulation is to manage our spiritual and physical needs. Remember, the Spirit does not enter our lives to destroy our physical being. He enters our lives to get our physical being under control so we can do our Father's will. Now, the basis of the Spirit's regulation is sure. It's to keep us unspotted from the world. And this can only happen if we overcome sin. In this order, the Spirit must accomplish three primary functions. One, the Spirit must provide us with adequate knowledge of what sin is. Two, the Spirit must provide us with ample warning prior to our engagement in an illicit act of sin. And three, the Spirit must reprove us after every occasion in which we commit an illicit act of sin or in any otherwise fail to execute the will of the Father. 
Now, these three functions constitute the basis of the Spirit's regulation in our lives. And if we allow the Spirit to operate in this fashion, we will enjoy a fruitful quest. All we have to do is respond in the following manner. One, upon being reproved by the Spirit, we must confess our fault to the Father and others if their involvement warrants it. Two, we must seek and secure forgiveness for the transgression to ensure our name is not blotted out of his book. And three, we must repent of the transgression and master the temptation that caused us to transgress in the first place. Now, the sum of this analysis testifies to the damaging nature of sin and how regulation is one of the primary functions of the spirit we have at our disposal to overcome sin. Only then will we be able to finish our quest and achieve the perfection required to have everlasting life. Now, here is the final word. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope. First, I will say the obvious. This is another lesson you're not going to hear in the church circuit. On this occasion, I believe it has more to do with a lack of understanding of the Holy Spirit within the church, which is complicated by an unwillingness to follow his guidance. We know this because the church circuit is being sorely distressed by the toxic spirit of anti-governance. Truly, all the ills of the church can be traced to the rebellion to the Father's will. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and witchcraft is a door to the kingdom of darkness. Regrettably, the conglomerate church has fairly opened that door, and there is no opportunity to close it. As they say, the genie is out of the bottle, the cat is out of the bag. Now we are witnessing the end result of man's resistance the governance of the Holy Spirit. And trust me, it's only going to get worse. Therefore, I trust you appreciate all the Father has done for you for not only giving us his only brought forth son to open the door for us to be saved, I trust you also appreciate him for giving us his spirit to guide us down the path that leads to everlasting life. Let's discuss what's next. We completed our set-apart spirit series with today's lesson, the Holy Spirit, my connection, and my regulator. And now, my friends, you are prepared to move on to the next level in this quest. Now that we've completed week two, we are moving on to week three to discuss the next series as we continue through the preliminary phase. And the new series is Perfection and Everlasting Life. The objective is to analyze the primary goal of the quest for holiness, remove all doubt concerning the potential of perfection, and prove perfection is a door that leads to everlasting life. Now, trust me, this will be another powerful series, namely because we have been commanded to be perfect. And unlike many Christians who ignore this command, you're like me. You want to know all this command entails, and you will, by the end of the series. 
Then it'll be up to you to follow the path you know is right. And it all begins on Monday. So have a great weekend, everyone. As always, take some time to review the notes from the series and pray to the Father that you stay strong as we continue this quest because we still have a long way to go. Now, if you are a member and have questions, please click the Q&A box underneath the video player. Likewise, if you have comments you want to share with the group, please share those in the comment box located beneath the Q&A box. Now, if you're not a member and you have questions about today's podcast, feel free to contact us via our website at www.pinnacleofholiness.com and use the form on our contact page, and we will respond to you as soon as we can. And thank you for being with us today. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to tune in with us every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And if you haven't already, visit us at www.pinnacleofholiness.com and make sure you sign up to join the quest for holiness, perfection, and everlasting life 2022.